Welcome on and all to episode, oh, hold on, what episode are we on? Welcome one and all to episode 126 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, uh, well, we'll skip the the uh, hard truth for you right now, and we'll just get right into how are things going, man. Well, I mean, I'll admit, my, my Ohio State Buckeyes lost. My Browns lost after having a 22-10 to 10 lead. <clears throat> wasn't Wasn't the best sports weekend of my life, but... It's okay because we still have other interests, and uh, one of them are the things that we talk about on this show. So we'll get started tonight, Seth, with a little couple of news items that came through today. USC got their butts beat by Stanford the other night, and they have fired head coach Clay Helton after two games. So if you're going to fire after two games, probably should have done it at the end of last season. The timing is awkward. But they apparently already have a couple candidates lined up, and uh, their athletic director, I believe, is a big fan of Luke Fickle, Cincinnati's head coach. And we've got Bob Stoops hanging out in media land. He's another candidate that appears to be high on their list. And the other bit of breaking news we have, a quarterback that you and I have talked about on the show before, Boston College's Phil Jerkovic is out for the year with an injury to his throwing hand. He had surgery today. He tweeted a picture of his hand all swollen and wrapped up. So he's out for the year. Might bump him into the 2023 class, I imagine. Yeah, and that's interesting because, as you mentioned with Helton, why even let him come into the season? It's it's a baffling idea to just allow him to even start the season unless you were just afraid that much of the recruiting class and something you and I have talked about how heavy they were in terms of transfers of losing those guys. But, I mean, it seems kind of silly at this point unless you have a really strong idea of who you are bringing in, right? Yeah, I think that's why Stoops makes – the most sense to me because he's out there with a media job. So you, um, if you hire him, he's got time to prepare. Um, you know, everybody's talking about Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer just coached Jacksonville on Sunday. He's still their head coach. So, I mean, I he think- could – Urban could pull a Nick Saban, quit halfway through a season, and then go, like, make USC a dynasty like uh, like Saban did with Bama. I mean, there could he- be that. He could, and, I mean, and it would be an, do you want another. To hire, uh, well, it would be do you another. Want to hire him after he ditches out <laughs> on another job, then. <laughs> well, and it would be another Florida NFL team too that it happened to. So, that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> the uh, the other name that's coming up. I'm just kind of going through everything uh, that's interesting, and and you mentioned you know Stoops is one that's out there. The other name, Chris Peterson. Right, so, he's another guy who's got a media job right now. Right, so two. I know legends is a strong word, but I mean, they're on that periphery of college football legends in terms of coaching. Uh, so you would, you would think that maybe those guys would be guys that they've talked to might be a strong word, but have put feelers out to see if they'd have interest. Cause I mean, you're not getting fickle this year. There's no way. 
Yeah, and Fickle, as I think we, we mentioned this, Fickle has said that he wants to build a program there. So um, now that Cincinnati's going to be moving into the Big 12, that's kind of, you know, he's, he's kind of talking the talk there. And he, they, they are ranked in the uh, top 10 now. So they, I know they only played Murray State the other day, but, you know, Fickle does have them in a good position. And they've got a couple of games coming up, uh, Indiana and Notre Dame, and if they can win those two games, they're in a good position to, to run the table and possibly get into the playoff, especially with Ohio State getting knocked off early. So, um, yeah, Fickle's a, it might be more of a, a wish right now, but, uh, you know, if you're USC, you want to fill it with a big name. You don't want to fire Clay Helton after two games and then fall on your face with this hire. So this is a big one for them. You know, Mike... I guess if I was handicapping it, my favorite would be Stoops because he's already available. But uh, we'll see about that. And then the Jerkovich news is just awful for him personally. I mean, we're going to talk about it on our Patreon show this later this week. But this quarterback class has really opened up for anybody to really emerge. And, and Jerkovich, albeit against Colgate, started off hot, uh, three touchdowns. Uh, you know, 300 yards and has a chance to follow it up against UMass and only is able to throw four passes. Um, and basically now he's going to be a older kind of redshirt senior. Um, I don't know what that changes in terms of his, you know, prospects, but when you look at him, Coming out this year as a as a redshirt junior, a twenty two year old, you know, going to be twenty three year old, is much more appealing than a redshirt senior, twenty four year old coming off a season ending injury. Yeah, and actually, I've got a birthday on him of November third, ninety nine. So he's twenty one. He'll be twenty two this season. He'll turn twenty three next season. Um, so not not terrible, but yeah, that would mean if he goes back to college. Like you said, he's he's going to be – he'll turn 24 during his rookie season, and we know. Um, we've seen guys recently, uh, Wentz, Joe Burrow, they turned 24 at the end of their first seasons. But um, ideally you want guys that are a little bit younger than that when you're talking about high-drafted, highly-drafted <coughs> QBs. So, yes, uh, tough news for him. I don't know how it's going to – what's going to happen now. Is he going to um, – Go ahead and prepare for the draft. You've seen it. Even quarterbacks in recent years just uh, go ahead and enter the draft anyway. And um, you you know that with a hand, this is uh, not as as bad as you know like an Achilles or ACL. Even this is something that's he's uh, he, he had a fracture. He got surgery on it to repair it. Should be healed pretty soon. Just not in time for him to play football again during the regular season. So let's get into our top five and. Um, you know, I think our top five is going to be pretty similar to what the AP and the coaches polls have. We've got a couple new teams, but uh, Bama stays number one. They had a cakewalk against FCS Mercer. Yeah, an easy one. Uh, you know, nothing unexpected as of yet. Uh, we'll continue to kind of watch them just um, roll through. They've got a tough one this week that we'll preview on the on the on the Patreon show, but nothing surprising to see them sitting at 2-0. Um, Bryce Young, a, a light day's work, 
three three more touchdowns throwing. I'm still really intrigued by their running back situation because it just feels like they don't know what they want to do yet. Yeah, I'm, I guess they've kind of become a passing team now. So they, they have enough talent at running back to keep things, you know, keep defenses on their toes, but really they're a passing team. They've got uh, talent at the wide receiver position with Mechie and, and Jameson Williams. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I think they're humming right now. We'll see how they do against Florida, but I think they'll be able to stop Florida on offense. So I'm looking ahead to a matchup for Bama and our number two team, Georgia. They went uh, against UAB, Alabama-Birmingham, and they walked all over 56-7 to with their yeah, backup quarterback. But they gave up a touchdown. Uh, I know. <laughs> At least UAB is an FBS team, though. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Because um, I think yeah, Mercer had 14 points against Bama. Yeah. So, I mean, this Georgia defense is something else right now. Obviously, they have not played Bama, but doing what they did to Clemson and then UAB is insane. And, and defensively, they have not given up any points yet the the uab touchdown was scored on a defensive score so and we were watching the game and my buddy runs a recruiting service and he goes i cannot believe they put on the damn turnover chain when they were down 40 whatever it was to <laughs> to seven and they go home put the the turnover chain on i'm like dude that's the first touchdown george has given up all year you got to at least let these kids uh celebrate it but yeah they're uh they're they're clearly the second best team and i i don't know if there's really anybody that can hang with either of Bama or uh, Georgia at this point. But the number three team is going to give it a shot. A Pac-12 team making their debut in the top five, Oregon, after their, I mean, and you'll admit this, fairly convincing win against against Ohio State. They, they looked, they never looked panicked. Even when Ohio State had a couple chances to tie the game late, the Oregon defense without their best player showed up. Yeah, Ryan Day said it best. He said um, that he never felt like Ohio State was in control of the game. Oregon really set the pace early, and they, they uh, <clears throat> when it got to uh, after the halftime, and they score on a 77-yard run by C.J. Verdell, and that seemed to, to really put the Buckeyes back on their heels. Ohio State had to throw the whole second half. So you got uh, you got C.J. Stroud in just his second his second. A collegiate start and he has to throw for 480 yards just to keep him in the game I thought Stroud played well but Ohio State's defense did not and that's why we have Oregon who like you said their defense played very well and uh, they ran the ball effectively and their quarterback Anthony Brown kept things on schedule they really look like <clears throat> they went into Columbus with an early start and they looked like the better team I think we're going to have to go back and delete our Pac-12 previews because we uh, sold the Pac-12 short and the Pac-12 went out and took care of business in a couple early games this weekend. We, we at least got uh, Washington and USC, right? That's true. Yeah, we did. And uh, Washington did get thumped against Michigan with Michigan only throwing for 44 yards. So, But they did not. Michigan did not make our top five. But another Big Ten team 
did, and that's Iowa. Iowa is the only one here in this top five that has, and this is why they're here. They have two wins over ranked teams to start the season. They're going to be 5-0 and shortly, uh, heading into a massive game with uh, another undefeated Big Ten team, Penn State, uh, that really you know, is going to decide uh, going to have huge implications on how the Big Ten plays out because the loss for Ohio State, the only you know saving grace is that it's out of conference. And so that that Big Ten East matchup later in the year between Ohio State and Penn State is going to matter a lot. But uh, Iowa just has to play Penn State um, and, and Wisconsin. And the way that they're playing defensively right now, they look they look like the best team in the Big Ten. And that's, that's saying something because their offense has not looked impressive yet. No, they haven't done much on offense, but they are creating a ton of turnovers. They have three interceptions in each of the first two games. Uh, defensive backs, Riley Moss and Matt Hankins, their starting corners, each have two interceptions. Uh, Moss had his two against Indiana and Michael Penix. And then uh, Hankins, or yeah, he gets his against, or is it Haskins? I, I forgot. But uh, he has his against Brock Purdy. So. That uh, is a a formidable cornerback duo. They have some strength along that offensive line. And I think, yeah, it is Matt Hankins. I'm sorry for bumbling that name. But um, that is, they do look like the best defense in the Big Ten. And that could go a long way. You know, I don't think anybody who's a fan of Ohio State is feeling comfortable about their season going forward after the last two weeks. And the door appears to be wide open. We might have had these conferences backwards because we thought that uh, the Pac-12 was kind of going to be a free-for-all. It could be the Big Ten that is actually up for grabs. And then number five, kind of by default, we we still have Oklahoma in there. So we I think we knocked them down one <clears throat> this week, e- even though they won 76 nothing. But that's kind of the price you pay for playing Western Carolina and not looking great against Tulane. So they, they did take care of business easily against Western Carolina, but I don't think – I have a hard time thinking that Oklahoma would beat Iowa or Oregon right now. Yeah, and, and you know, we're going to talk about quarterbacks on, on the Patreon episode, but Spencer Rattler came back um, through five touchdowns in this game. Again, I would against, hope so against nobody but they at least he did what he was expected to do True. Uh, uh, in that game let's get into uh, some early 2022 stock up stock down outside of the quarterback position and and you know i think one of the first guys on the list for stock up has been uh, a michigan player aiden hutchinson because we've talked about how opened the edge class after Kevin Thibodeau is and and man uh, Hutchinson has made it look pretty easy through two weeks yeah he's he had two and a half sacks he's credited with two and a half sacks against Washington I would have thought they'd call it three sacks that's the way it looked to me but regardless he has three and a half sacks officially through the first two games 
and that ties his career high. Like he, he only played three games last year because of an injury. Two years ago, he had three and a half sacks for the season. So he's already matched that total. <clears throat> and uh, Hutchinson is a very big, strong guy. And uh, Bruce Feldman has him down as a freak, too. So he's a little more athletic than I might have given him credit for coming into this year. But he looked very tough against a touted left tackle, who we'll talk about in a minute. But um, he, he, should, he played with a lot of strength. He showed a good bull rush. He used uh, an arm over move to get across the left tackle's face. He beat the, he beat the tackles outside. He was running a, uh, lining up at right defensive end and left defensive end, and he made plays from both ends, of uh, both sides of the line of scrimmage. So you know, by the second half, Washington was having to go and help their left tackle with a tight end quite a bit, sometimes with the guard. Um, and Hutchinson was being used mostly as a stand-up rusher. He was coming out, you know, two-point two stance and even dropped him into coverage a couple times. So he looks like a guy who can do it all. He's got strong hands, and he plays with a high-intensity motor. I mean, I was watching this guy. They were tackling. The defensive backs were tackling Washington players down the field, and, and Hutchinson was in the picture. You know, it didn't matter where the play ended up. He was in the picture. It was pretty remarkable. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. And uh, a lot of these Michigan guys, as, as you know, I wasn't uh, super impressed with Quiddy Pay or Taco Charlton, I thought wasn't very good. But Hutchinson does look very good to me. And the guy he abused much of that game was uh, a guy that's been touted as a potential top 20 pick, Jackson Kirkland of, of Washington. So it wasn't like he was just beating up on a nobody um, left tackle or playing against Western Carolina. Uh, this is against Kirkland, who, if I remember right, was a top top 20 guy on the on the PFF big board. I'm, I'm checking right now because I think, if I'm right, he was in the top 20 for PFF heading, in, heading into this year. And that's, you know, that's an impressive day for – for a guy like Hutchinson and, and a rough day for a guy like Kirkland who, you know, did not look good. Yeah, and, yes, and Kirkland was ranked 15th on the PFF board. Right, and he's a mainstay in first-round mock drafts that you're seeing right now too. But, but uh, here's the thing, you know, I don't want to be too too hard on him, but Kirkland is a player who I think, you know, I know Washington has a great strength program and they produce a lot of athletes, but I think he's being given – too much credit for what kind of athlete he is. And to me, I think he's going to project more as a guard or right tackle. And you have to think about this. At left tackle, he's going to be seeing guys as good or better than Hutchinson every single week. And Hutchinson was pushing him into the backfield and was beating him inside, outside. Like, he did not have the feet to stay with Aiden Hutchinson. And if you don't have the feet to stay with Aiden Hutchinson, you're going to have a hell of a time staying with Chase Young and staying with uh, the Bosa's and Miles Garrett and those guys, so um, you look at uh, I don't I'm not going to say he's going to test like Orlando Brown, but you look what happened with the Kansas City Chiefs on, on Sunday. Orlando Brown was playing left tackle, and uh, he was just not able to stay with Miles Garrett for the most part. Like he he you could see why he belongs more on the right side because he just doesn't have the speed. Garrett was getting a tons of a, a ton of pressure from that end. And uh, it was the Kansas City tackles 
that were getting beat, not their not their interior players. So I think Kirkland is a guy who I would like to kick inside to guard. And I know we'll we'll talk we'll, maybe we'll talk to Sully again at draft time and ask him about that. But uh, to me, he doesn't look like he has left tackle feet, and I think he's kind of overrated right now. The next guy on our list of stock up is a guy that, you know, played really well against the Ohio State Buckeyes, Verone McKinley, the safety for Oregon. Um, The safety they had that did not play last year, his name is escaping me. Holland was the last name, right? Javon Holland, yeah, he plays for the Dolphins. Yeah, and he's, he's, you know, looked good early, um, meaning training camp preseason. And, And now you've got... Another one, uh, you know, maybe Cristobal knows how to coach a defense and recruit defense players. It's a little different than the Chip Kelly uh, Oregon Ducks, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I was so wrong about my projection of that game. But I had to put an Oregon player on this list because McKinley especially stood out. And... uh, there were two third down plays where Stroud was on the money and hit his receiver past the sticks or right at the sticks. McKinley timed his hit perfectly to break up those passes. You saw a couple other plays like that from the Ducks defensive backs too, but McKinley was able to get in there and break up two key third down passes. And then, of course, he gets the uh, tiptoe sideline interception as Stroud's really kind of trying to throw it away or he just maybe missed high again. But um, right, right there at the end of the game, seals the game for the Ducks. So McKinley, he's listed as a redshirt sophomore, but he's actually in his fourth season. I expect him to uh, probably be a part of this draft class for 2022. And he looked like a legitimate Sunday player. He was making, he was out there making Sunday plays. Another guy on the downslope right now, and this is just this whole program, it seems like, is... Uh, Breesy Hall, the running back from Iowa State, he's been completely. I think some com- people might disagree with us on this, but yeah, go ahead. Well, he's just he's just been completely held in check in two games, and and I think to me more than anything, that's the the biggest question mark you have for a guy that's supposed to be you know the running the top running back in the class is. Um, are you able to create when it's not there? He had a better game against Iowa than he did Northern Iowa. He finished with 16 carries for 69 yards and one touchdown. Um, but he also had a huge fumble on a what can only be described as a lazy play on his part uh, that resulted in a touchdown. Iowa State's defense played well enough to win. It was the Iowa offense, Iowa State offense that really you know kind of sank their – their chances and when you look at it from this perspective I I just don't think Hall has lived up to to the expectations um, at this point so we could have put the quarterback Brock Purdy on here because he threw three picks but I think we didn't because we don't really think he has a, a great draft stock to begin with so Hall Hall comes out of the first two games he's averaging about just under I think just under three and a half yards a carry He's right at three and a half yards a carry, yeah. Yeah. So you, you that is very um, below average for a college running back. So it's only two games. Admittedly, we just touted Iowa's defense. 
right? But remember that he only averaged three yards a carry against Northern Iowa, an FCS team. That's a game that he has to perform better. And what we're seeing out of him, he fumbled, Seth, like you said, a bit of a lazy play, but it's because he took, he took on a big hit. And I feel like that's my problem with him right now. I don't think he plays with, the great, with great elusiveness. And with Hall, the door is still open for him to be the first running back drafted. But the broadcast team was mentioning him as if he were a potential first-round pick. And I think that is very ambitious for, for Brees Hall. I don't think he's going to be a first-round running back. Um, stranger things have happened. I didn't think Josh Jacobs would go in the first round, but he did. But, um, yeah, and I didn't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would go in the first round, and he snuck in there at 32. I don't think either team is super in love with that those picks at this point um, and the value of those picks. So Hall, I've, I'm putting a buyer beware tag on him right now. I don't think he has the elusiveness that I like in a star running back. He has good size, and I think he'll be a fine running back, but he's more of a of a guy who's going to try and run guys over than a guy who's going to be really uh, able to shake guys in the open field. And we saw it a couple times uh, Saturday where he, he was had kind of a one-on-one situation. He was tackled in the open field, and, and it limited the run. The next guy on our list is uh, a slightly undersized wide receiver from Memphis, Calvin Austin, who had a massive game this last Saturday against Arkansas State, albeit – it is Arkansas State, but anytime you put up a, a line of six receptions for 239 yards and three touchdowns, it's impressive. On the season, he has 12 catches for only 286 yards, but at four touchdowns. Um, a huge game, but he's he seems like a guy that is just a big play waiting to happen. Six for 47 and one in his first game, six for 239 and three in his second game. In a wide receiver class, and, and in where we've seen guys his size and skill set go in on day two, this is a guy just to kind of watch and get to know. Yeah, he's five nine and he's one hundred and sixty two pounds according to the listing. But um, we just saw Tutu Atwell, who's lighter, go in the second round. We've seen Hollywood Brown, who's about the same size, go in the first round a couple of years ago. So I don't know that I don't think Austin's going to be a first round pick, but like you said, we've seen guys like this go on day two, and he ran a four three eight out of high school, and I think had a thirty seven or thirty eight inch vertical. So this is a guy who's going to test very well. He's very fast, and some team's going to fall in love with that speed because I think he will absolutely get out there and uh, run a good time at his pro day or the combine, however they're going to do it this year. The final guy on our list is another wide receiver. This guy is from the SEC, so a little bit different. Um, Don Tario Drummond, and the the uh, Ole Miss uh, just skill players in general have really become a hotly debated topic on whether or not you know what you can take from them in this Lane Kiffin offense and if you can buy in. I know a lot of that's Matt Matt Corral, but like are you buying this old miss offense as being that you know that great? So I I want to look at the players individually and um so the reason I like Drummond is because he's he's 
a running back size and build. He's six foot one, two hundred twenty pounds, and he's playing the slot right now, and so he's a big mismatch. And, um, and they've consistently had great slot receiver prospects going back to AJ Brown, um, right. and th- and then you talk about last year with um, with Elijah the Elijah Moore, yeah, Moore. Thank you. Um, yeah. You know, and now Drummond kind of falls into that to that area as well. I mean, he's had a great season, 15 receptions for 284 yards and three touchdowns. And he, you know, and he, he's pretty consistent with it when you look at it, you know, six six for 107 and two in this last game against Austin PA. But his, you know, his first game against Louisville, he had nine for 177. He was dominant in that Louisville game, and he was clearly Corral's go-to guy. I really think he looks like an explosive athlete in the open field where it comes with yards after the catch. You know, he was picking up big gains after catching that football. The problem with Drummond is going to be his age. He is already 24 years old. Like He turned 24 on August 22nd. He came out of the JUCO ranks a couple years ago. So he's a player that's been around and out of high school for a while. So is a team, how high is a team going to take a guy who's going to be 25 years old before his rookie season? Now, recently, we saw a guy in uh, Terry McLaurin who went in the third round, and he was uh, he just turned 24 right at the beginning of his, his uh, freshman season in the NFL. But Drummond is a whole year older than McLaurin was when he was a rookie. So... so that's going to be the question. I'm going to watch and see how teams evaluate this guy, but I think he looks like a legitimate NFL caliber player. His age is probably going to press him down into the, uh, I want to say middle rounds. You know, I'll be generic, but maybe fourth, fifth round. But you're going to get a, a guy who creates separation and has uh, that size to screen off slot defenders and, and make people... You know, he was dragging defenders against Louisville. He was also making guys miss. He looked pretty athletic and, and pretty fast for a 220-pound guy. We only have uh, one, you know, really interesting game this week uh, before we'll get to the, the other games. And it's a, it's by a bad Ohio team, including a Man. bad Ohio team. Uh, they lost to Duquesne. Yeah, get, got blown out by Syracuse. And then and then loses to Duquesne, um, and now Louisiana, they're not, not Lafayette anymore, right? Just the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, who disappointed yeah. in game one, came back and won a, a nail biter against, I think, I believe Nichols State, right? Yeah, or Nichols. They're, they're not looking the way we thought they'd look. They were supposed to be a top twenty-five team. Yeah, and so now you're sitting here and you're wondering, okay, what do you have? Um, it's an interesting game. It's it's the ESPN game. Both of these teams are underachieving. Louisiana does not look like, you know, like he like Justin said, the team we we're expecting to see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they get passed up by you know like a Texas State team who played well in their open opening loss uh, and then won in week two uh, over FIU. So it, it's interesting because 
the names we had and mentioned. They, and they've got are, to contend with uh, Coastal Carolina in that conference too, and, and they look really good so far. Yeah, and the names we had mentioned, you know, early in in the season for for Louisiana have not really produced yet. Um, you know, Chris Smith, their running back, has only run for a hundred yards in two games. Um, you know, Michael Jefferson only has three catches for eighty four yards. Like this season, and these prospects or these potential prospects that we thought they had have just not have just not shown up quite yet. Yeah, you would have expected Levi Lewis to have a much bigger impact in that uh, game against an FCS team this past weekend. And we just haven't seen them. They they kind of look a little sluggish out of the gate. And that being said, they're 20-point favorites in this game. They are the home team, and they're 20-point favorites. And we are degenerate gamblers, although mine is usually just on paper. I'm not usually putting down a ton of money on these weekday games. But, hey, they're 20-point favorites. Are we taking Louisiana with the points, giving the points, or are we taking Ohio getting the points? You know, you look at it, I think in this game you do take um, – jeez. Oh, I think you take – It's a big spread. Yeah, I think you take Ohio to cover. I think – I think Louisiana wins something like thirty-eight to to twenty-one. I don't know if they're gonna they're gonna win by twenty. Um, Syracuse beat them by twenty, and and Syracuse looks better than Louisiana at this point. <laughs> you know what? I'll, give me Louisiana. You take you get to twenty points. I'll take Louisiana minus twenty against Ohio. Uh, my wife is an o- OU graduate, so I will not let her hear this. <laughs> and then a couple of hot takes. One just coming out right now. Um, so Justin doesn't even know I'm going here, which is fantastic. Reddit College Football um, tweeted out that there is a rumor that I'm. I know where this is going. Yeah, <laughs> that Urban Meyer considering resigning as head coach of the Jaguars. So that's it's that's not, all. That's not. not that's true. all. That's always fun. <laughs> early, <laughs> early in the season after one game. Um, yeah, interesting. But the one I was going to bring up, and and you know, you were a a big Jamar Chase guy. Um, coming out, yeah. we we both liked him quite a bit. Uh, he made some comments about the difference in the football and how much he was kind of struggling. Um, and it explained his drops early, you know, in his in the preseason. The ball is different because it, it is bigger. It doesn't have the white stripes on the side, so you can't see the ball coming from the tip point. So you actually have to look for the strings. Um, on the top of the ball, which is hard to see because the whole ball is brown. You have the six strings that are white. So that was the that was the quote from Jamar Chase, you know, talking about the difference in the football and and you know his early struggles uh, trying to catch, especially in in the preseason, like you know we mentioned. Um, I mean, people were legitimately calling him a, a bust and couldn't believe that he would be so open and then he just puts up five and 101 
receiving yards and a touchdown in his in his rookie debut with with zero drops. So <laughs> let's let's let the preseason be the preseason. Let's let rookies find their way in the NFL before we're like, oh, these guys are these guys are awful and, and we need to uh, we need to immediately um, tar and feather them or, or you know call them bust because this guy hadn't even had a chance to play in a meaningful NFL game before people were going after him because he's admitting why he's having some early issues as a, as a player. You know, fantasy Twitter was a driving force behind all this. And you look back to, remember Derek Henry doing some kind of footwork drill when he was a rookie and people were like, Oh God, look at his footwork. He's going to be a huge bust. And then he ends up uh, ultimately as a 2000 yard rusher uh, leading the league. And, uh, you know, granted slow start this year, but He's clearly been a very good player. It was kind of I mean, the same it, thing. It, the, the narrative around it makes sense. He had a slow start when you think about that. He was playing the mighty Arizona Cardinals. I know. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the narrative around Chase was so frustrating all off season. It's just like, oh, he's got the yips. He's going. He's got the drops. He's you know, the, the guy dropped five passes uh, in his whole two, 2019 season when he was the best receiver in college football. And the things they were calling drops in those preseason games were they were bad throws by Brandon Allen for the most part. I was gonna say none of them were from Joe Burrow. If he's dropping passes from Joe Burrow, let's be a little more concerned. But come yeah. on, it, it was it was very frustrating. But you know the same people that were sweating over that, maybe even telling us to sell on on Jamar Chase, were telling us Brandon Ayuk was wide receiver one in San Francisco. He had zero catches yesterday. They were picking Trey Sermon in the early rounds of their drafts. He was inactive. He was a healthy scratch. So um, let's just chill. It's very. It's you know I like I like fantasy. yesterday due to an illness. <laughs> I like fantasy Twitter. I like a lot of guys on there. Um, I'm friends with with them, but uh, it's very easy to give out takes like that when you draft like 30 or 40 teams and you play best ball where you don't have to set a lineup. You're you're playing daily fantasy where you get to, to draft new players every week, or, you, you know, it's very different than... When you're talking you know, about true, true evaluations of players. Right, right. It's, it's very different, and it's very low risk, you know, to give those takes because, you know, they're putting their money where their mouth is, but again, they're spreading it over 40 teams and, and uh, playing a lot of best ball leagues, playing two quarterback leagues, and we think we have to remember what's fantasy and what's reality. Jamar Chase... Reality is, he's very good, and he went out there against the Vikings. And people, some people say, oh, you know, the, that cornerback was lost. That cornerback that he burned for the touchdown was Brashad Breland, he, who is like a, an eight-year veteran who has over 80 pass breakups in his career. You know, I know he's bounced around a little bit. He might not be the best cornerback in the world, but Jamar Chase was being a professional cornerback that keeps getting pro jobs. So Right, exactly. It's whatever not like... you want to say about it, it's, you know, he... Went out there. Good for him. You know, he went out there. And Joe Burrow tweaked the media, too, because the media was driving a lot of it, too. The beat, the beat has nothing to report on during practice except practice results. And practice is practice for a reason. But, but the media likes to keep stats, running stats on practice when the players couldn't give a crap. But um, Burrow tweaked them a little bit 
after Chase was at the mic, he left. Burrow sat down and said, I, I thought he dropped everything. <laughs> so, yeah, good that's, for Burrow, uh, good for Chase. Yep, And, and the Bengals got to win, by the way. Right. In OT. Yeah. So, yeah, congrats so. to them. It looks like they have a really good uh, quarterback receiving tandem. And they got some other good receivers on their team, too, in Higgins and in um, and Tyler Boyd. And also, everybody that was saying they should have taken a left tackle over – over Chase, their left tackle Riley Reef played very well yesterday. So everybody chill. You know the Bengals. I think made the right pick, and Chase is a good player. Anyway, one more thing before we get out. My Hamlin Pipers are playing at Minnesota Morris this week. Of course, the Pipers had the week off last week, but they won a big one against Crown the week before that. Minnesota Morris is coming off a bad loss, so. Hamlin goes on the road, but they don't have to go far. They're just going to Morris, Minnesota to play Minnesota Morris. Go Pipers. I think we got a good shot. And thanks for listening. As always, make sure you check out our Patreon show. You can uh, subscribe to that for $2 a month and get all our extra shows as well as uh, Justin's thoughts on the on the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, we'll be back. later this week with a Patreon episode and then next week uh, checking out week three of the college football season. Thanks for listening as always. Have a great night. We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of, what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That we could be it right a, there. A read, yeah. That's it. Right so, exactly. <laughs>